Welcome to Bring Your Brilliance. Are you ready to find and amplify your voice? Looking to be inspired by those who are already out there making it happen? Listen in as we shine a light on those who bring their full, authentic selves to do what they love, make no apologies, and don't try to fit into other people's boxes. With your host, Carla Taylor, who, after years of being inspired by the brilliantly shining people she was meeting, decided others need to hear these stories too. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the Bring Your Brilliance show. My name is Carla Taylor. I am your host. And this morning we are going to be talking with the fabulous Julie Kratz. And we are going to be talking specifically about the times that we are in right now. So we're actually going to look forward and we're going to talk about pivot forward positively post COVID. So I know we are for some of us still in the midst of it, but we want to look forward to where we're going. And so today I want to go ahead and ask you a couple questions and then we'll get in what the topic is about a little bit more about Julie and then we'll get going. So first, are you feeling a whirlwind of emotions and wondering what's next with more than just a little trepidation? And are you currently feeling lost and wondering which way to go from here? We are at a real pivot point of change with COVID upon us and all around us. The workplace, life, and business as we know it are all in flux. Now is the time to pivot forward positively and be ready to embrace positive change post-COVID. So in today's episode, I'm talking with Julie Kratz, a sought-after leadership coach and keynote speaker, and we'll be covering some practical tips and strategies to navigate the new normal as a human, both at work and at home. And so a little bit more about Julie. Julie Kratz is a highly acclaimed TEDx speaker and leadership trainer who leads teams and produces real results in corporate America. After experiencing her own career pivot point, Julie developed a process for women leaders to build winning game plans. She lends her expertise around gender equality and leadership as a keynote speaker, workshop facilitator, and executive coach. She holds an MBA from the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University and is a certified master coach and certified unconscious bias trainer. Julie is the author of Pivot Point, How to Build a Winning Career Game Plan, and also One, How Male Allies Support Women for Gender Equality, and Lead Like an Alley, Alley, an ally, <laughs> not an alley, Lead Like an Ally, a journey through corporate America with strategies to facilitate inclusion. So Julie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. You have quite the the impressive background and, and prolific books that you have been writing. So I am, and of course, TEDx is like, you know, a lot of people's big dreams. So I'm so excited to have you here. Um, you actually do live here in Indianapolis. So you and I have, have crossed paths many, many times. And I've always been more than impressed with everything that you're doing. And I'm so excited to have you here today. Oh, same here. I know when we got together and talked about the uh, future and what it holds for us, I was certainly excited to talk about pivoting forward. So this will be a fun conversation. 
Yes. Pivot Point is exactly what you're all about. In fact, your website is nextpivotpoint.com. Um, and pivot is such a good word. I think the very first time you and I ever met, we actually spoke about the word pivot. And I was at the time like really focused on that as well as being really a, a critical part of our own journeys and learning points of oftentimes changing and doing something completely new and taking everything that we had learned before and moving into something completely new. And so I know you have had, obviously, your own career pivots, and I always like to ask my guests about their career paths because I came into this having done a ton of career coaching, and I realized so many people didn't even know the different ways they could go or pivot <laughs> as they're going through their own lives and careers. And so would you just briefly walk us through your career path of kind of where you started and how you got here, and then we'll talk a lot more about what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, pivot points are everywhere <laughs> now more than ever. Mm -hmm. uh, but I had my own set of career pivots in my own corporate career. So before starting my own business, Next Pivot Point, I spent 12 years in corporate America doing a variety of things. So I worked at global companies. I worked at smaller um, boutique consulting firms. I got my MBA. I, I like to say I checked all the boxes that you do on those career plans uh, that the corporate world loves to create. And I spent time in a lot of different industries and did a lot of different functional uh, different areas as well. And through all that experience, the one common thread, the one that thing that really lit me on fire, that fulfilled my purpose, was really getting to lead teams of people. And so being a mentor, being and so a what coach, was your original degree in and what was it that you were starting your career even what what was the the job roles or what were you actually doing at the beginning of your career? Yeah, yeah. So I'm an Ohio girl. I grew up in uh Ohio and went to Ohio State as as us Buckeyes do. Um and I studied <laughs> marketing and supply chain. And I okay. thought, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't do marketing when I got out of college. And I found out that there was only sales jobs available at the time. Yeah. I thought, mm, I don't know if I want to do that. So I pivoted. So pivot start early. And um, mm -hmm. I actually ended up at a company named Caterpillars, the big construction company. Uh, oh, wow, company. yeah. I, Very big. I joke. I joke, it was uh, definitely not female-dominated, I will tell you that. So it was me, uh, early on, the only woman in nearly every meeting I was in, and my leadership development program, it was 10 men mm -hmm. and me. Um, and so you just kind of got this thinking feeling of, hmm, I'm, you know, I, I, I felt like everything was meant to be equal. My mom told me that, you know, the feminists had taken care of everything. The world was equal for women now. <laughs> And it became very obvious that that was not true in my first year there. And I would say one of my first kind of aha moments I had is maybe six months in, I printed out the organization chart, which Corporate America folks, you can appreciate. There's always this org chart, you know, who's who and mm -hmm. who does what. And I remember printing it out at the, the highest levels of the organization. Of course, our CEO was a white male. Turns out our group presidents were also all white males. And then there were 36 mm. different vice presidents at the time, all of which nearly, uh, all of which were men except for one that happened to lead our division. And her name is Mary. And I remember 
you know, really admiring her as an example of this is what it looks like to, you know, this is what my career could look like because people look for versions of themselves inside the walls of organizations, much like I did. I was trying to define who I was and who I wanted to be. And I remember Mm -hmm. sitting down with her. I had 15 minutes and it was just one of those meetings you'll never forget because I remember asking her, you know, what would you recommend to a young woman wanting to build her career here? And I just remember her looking at me and honestly quite exhausted looking said, uh, forget that you're a woman. You know, it's not about gender. And Mm. I thought, you know, that's kind of a big part of your identity to just dismiss and forget. And it is a real point of difference. You know, I, I know what she was saying yeah. is, you know, just, you know, persevere, try your hardest. In the early 2000s, there was nothing around diversity and inclusion. You know, the work I do today, it was very much an, a non-conversation. So she didn't have the time right. to even navigate what I was asking her. But I remember leaving that conversation thinking like, hmm, I just don't see myself wanting to be her someday. I just Mm. don't think this is the place for me. And, you know, it was a couple years in. um, I trudged out for a couple more years, had great experiences, you know, that mentoring, that coaching, the stuff that really fulfilled me. I got to do very early in my career lead teams of, you know, 70 plus people, work second shift where it was me making all the decisions with my team, of course, but not Mm. having you know, access to senior leaders that were on the day shift. And so you learn really quickly through trial and error what to do Mm -hmm. and what not to do. And I'm thankful for those years of experience. Still probably the hardest job I ever had was being an operations manager on the shop floor uh, with a challenging, you know, hourly staff that you had to keep finding different ways to motivate. So I commend any Mm -hmm. frontline leaders that do that tough stuff. It really is hard work. Um, and that's when I made one of my first pivots, big pivots to go back to school full time and, and get my master's in business and study again marketing. So I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to be a marketer, right? So I studied consumer mm-hmm. marketing and lo and behold, it's 2008. <laughs> so I'm just going to relate to what's going on now. 2008 obviously wasn't a great yep. year worldwide for the economy either. So I had chosen to quit my job to go back to school. And I'm thinking, is that the right choice? Um, turns out, you know, two years in an academic environment did insulate you from a lot of the stuff that was going on in the world. And luckily, consumer mm-hmm. products were doing well when I came out of it. So there I, there I had kind of this um, skill set to really navigate kind of what did I want? What did I really want? And I had this pause to think about my next kind of chapter in my career. And that's where I got into consulting work. And that Mm. consulting work really led me inside the walls of organizations to understand their leadership challenges, um, understand they wanted to develop women as leaders. So these messages that had always been with me early in my career about being the only woman and even back to my childhood of being raised by a single mom and believing in the strength of women really all came Mm -hmm. to a head in that consulting experience where I got to lead these conversations on what it meant to be inclusive as leaders. So it was really serendipitous, but I believe that if you know what you want, right, if you take that hard look in the mirror and think about what you want, you know, the universe has a way of presenting these opportunities, much like it did with me. 
And when you're ready, you got to see them. You know, I didn't run from it. I really engaged in that work and loved it. And it, it ended up a few years later giving me the opportunity to do that full time. So I was actually asked by a client to do contract work for them. So six years ago, that's how Next Pivot Point started, uh, was really through a need in the marketplace that really matched my unique purpose and the value I wanted to create in the world and led to a series of books you mentioned, the TED Talk on gender and strength and the work I do today to really help leaders lead from where they're at. So I believe everyone's a leader. It's like it's not a title. It's not manager or VP behind your name. It is absolutely mm-hmm. a choice. And and we all can lead like what I call allies, be inclusive. Um, so the workplaces I get to come in and, you know, and help with are really seeking to make sure that all voices are heard, that people mm-hmm. are seen for their full human selves. Ooh. Like what what a trying time that that's needed right now. And that we're really making sure people feel a sense of belonging. Um, We're seeing this in the future of work. Like this is not going to be a nice to have thing. This is absolutely a must have thing. So that's the work I do now with Next Pivot Point. Well, I love, I mean, there's so much you just said here and so many truth bombs and, and wisdom that you, you kind of put into a lot of different things that you were just describing. And I love what you said about when you had the time to pause and to reflect on what you really wanted. And that's really what this this time right now is giving a lot of us is that time to pause and really think about what matters most and where we want to go. So I'm going to go ahead show and we'll take a break and when we come back i want to pick up there and talk a little bit more about that as well as some of the things that you're doing now so again my name is carla taylor this is a bring your brilliance radio show here on inspired choices network we're talking with julie kratz and we will be right back we all have a personal brand it's what people say about you when you're not in the room what if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815 880 8255. Or Canada at 613-800-8736 or Skype at Inspired Choices Network. Or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail.com. 
Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show. You are listening to Inspired Choices Network, and my name is Carla Taylor. We are here this morning with Julie Kratz from Next Pivot Point, talking about pivot points and talking about pivoting forward. So, Julie, you were just explaining to us some of your own career journey and some of the things that you went through, and I I love how much you actually, I mean, I maybe don't love, but I do because it actually created who you are today, that you experience being oftentimes a lone woman in a very male-dominated field. And as you were saying before the break that, uh, you know, a lot of us came into our careers back in the early 2000s believing that the feminists had already done everything that needed to be done. And of course, it was a very different story <laughs> once we got into as you mentioned, too, the conversation of diversity and inclusion wasn't happening back then, but it is now. And right now, we're also in a time of extreme flux and extreme change and extreme pause of everyone just really putting everything on hold and staying at home. And I'd love to hear from you more about your thoughts on that and, and where what what value do you think that is actually giving us right now and where do you think we'll go from here? Yeah, yeah, it is another pivot point, right? And what the future of work has in store for us. Um, I'm actually doing some qualitative and quantitative research on the subject and what this might look like. And I think what we're seeing from an attitude perspective with employees in the global workforce is, first and foremost, I want to work for a company that's ethically sound. <laughs> and this mm-hmm. is like always, like hopefully table stakes, but our research is showing that is huge, um, that people want to feel like they're working mm-hmm. for a company that cares about them, that cares about the planet, that cares about them as a human being. And they actually want their manager to demonstrate that as well. So this brings a whole new yeah. set of skills I think are often – not prioritized in the workplace. So I talk about them as empathy skills, vulnerability skills, emotional intelligence skills. These things that have been nice to have in the past are really must-haves for success now and into the future. These are going to be table stakes kind of things that, you know, traditionally managers have been promoted because they were independently competent. You know, the the analogy to sales, for example, of a sales um, person, you know, being really good at selling is promoted to being the sales manager. While the exact behavior that made that person successful as an individual contributor is very much opposite at a manager level. It's, it's right. not about you. It's about the team and motivating the team instead. Right. And it's not your way. letting coaching them to their way. So... We're at this kind of shift, and, and we have been for a while, but this is really putting a huge spotlight on that. And it's also putting a spotlight on who's performing and who's not. You know, I'm, I'm very empathetic to those that are um, being let go and unemployed and furloughed right now. It's, it's definitely a short-term, hopefully a short-term um, experience that they're having. But for employees that have the opportunity to stay and to be thinking and doing some soul-searching perhaps on what am I doing with my life? I mean, this is a huge pause button to think, 
huh, how purposeful is my work? How much does it align with what I'm really good at, with what I really enjoy doing, and how much am I being given the opportunity to do that in my work? So on the other side of this, if I were to look into that crystal ball, you know, I would really suspect that managers really equipping them with the tools to have really good conversations, and I call them inclusive conversations with your team about things that matter to them in that full human experience, but also mm-hmm. really empowering employees um, to co-create their career paths inside organizations that this is the old school, like, check the box way, much like I experienced in corporate America, it's been outdated for a while. <laughs> Again, we're being seen a really, really big spotlight on this is not okay going forward. And um, I actually saw some research this week that several companies are actually having an internal job board. So if, if because so much has changed about work so quickly, the people can actually post mm-hmm. a job. I need help with this report, for example. And people can oh, apply wow. for it to help out. And that's just a really cool short term really innovation. Cool. <laughs> right. Yeah. And as contractors, you and I are like, heck yeah, like that's something that we do. We fill in the gaps for organizations. But why don't why don't we provide those in opportunities internally? It's a growth opportunity for somebody. It helps build capacity and level out capacity. So it's almost kind of like a an internal project board. Um, and so we're that seeing more like openness. That is the best thing I've heard in a long time because for years I've worked with corporate America and and I'm a huge like strength finder and strength practitioner, and I love. I mean, I just got chills when you said that because having a project board where people from cross functions could actually apply to be parts of projects or parts of filling in the gaps. That's exactly what I have been trying to, you know cheer on for organizations to do for years and years is to help people leverage their strengths across the organization and having people what I now call your zone of brilliance or your zone of genius to be able to work in your strengths even for a few minutes a day. Cool. I just have to like what's happening because that's exactly what they should be doing right now, especially and especially as they've had to let people go and there are these big filled oh my gosh like that 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 could be a huge game changer for organizations mm-hmm. yeah there's there's silver linings everywhere when we look for them right and yes, um, for sure. the human element to work and rethinking how we've done work i mean the the modern workplace even here in 2020 very much resembles the Mad Men era in the 1950s. And so much has changed, but not, like, think about it. The cube factory you know, environment, mm-hmm. you know, people having corner offices, um, the hierarchy, the amount of people you have to talk to to make a decision, uh, the mm-hmm. lack of flexibility that until recently, not openness to virtual work. So all of these paradigms are kind of shifting because we have to. And so on the other side yes. of this is this forced innovation that you and I, for as an outside perspective, are like, no brainer. Why didn't we do this for a right. year? We've been talking about this for We're years. Like, finally! But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but companies have been resistant to it because change is hard, and this is a massive is. amount of change we're absorbing in a short period of time. But sometimes this change can cause really natural disruption to existing processes that then yes. lead to 
really nice outcome. So I'm hopeful and forever the optimist, as, as hard as it can be some days right now, to look on the other side of this and think when we do pivot forward, how can we make it as positive as possible? Like what are the well, things I love that we like the, about this world? Yeah, the quote by Les Brown that, that recession restores resourcefulness. And we get resourceful when we have to. And innovation often comes from an need. And so the people who are looking forward and are looking at the things that need to be done, and even like you mentioned about um, a lot of people didn't believe or didn't have a full confidence in remote work or the ability to do it, and now we have to. We're forced to. And people are actually seeing, wow, we can get work done (laughs) this way. We can shift and adjust, and it might be uncomfortable at first, and we might have lots of Zoom fails along the way or whatever it is, right. but we're figuring it out and we, because we have to. And I think it's going to open up a whole new world of all sorts of things that companies are now going to see they can do. And the other thing that's really interesting, because we have been through a recession even in recent years, and we have been through some economic downturns, but what's really unique about this time is the fact that we are in the midst of also this pandemic and the the mortality of our lives the 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 fact that people are dying and face to face with death all around us and often our loved ones i mean it's it's a horrific time and so it's not just a, a recession it's not just an ac- economic downturn it is really facing life in a different way for all of us. And I think that Mm -hmm. is actually a a huge factor as well towards this whole purpose-driven thing that's always been a thing, but not a big thing for a lot of people. But now all of a sudden it is, for many, the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, it's easy to put that on the back burner and think, oh, I'll get to that someday. Oh, I had that business idea, but you know, life is just too busy right now. Well, I mean, life, life's busy right now, but it's there's so much time for reflection and pausing mm-hmm. uh, because we can't do the things that we've been able to do for so long. Um, and so I'm mm-hmm. seeing people kind of come out of the woodwork with these business ideas, with these book ideas, um, with these novel approaches. So I do love about this, that quote that you shared, it is restorative, you know, people going back to who they are and who they're really meant to be and tools that can help us all move forward together. And so I'd encourage Mm -hmm. people to really, if you haven't, if you you don't feel like you have, you know, deep purpose in your work, which I would venture to say (laughs) in terms of people, when I usually have people show hands back when we used to be able to see each other, do that kind of thing. It was a handful of people that would say that and they would consider themselves lucky you know, faced mm-hmm. with our own mortality, like you just said, I think now people are going to say, well, that, that's just quite silly to wait around for purpose in my life. Why don't I take control right. of that? And I'm not suggesting that everyone leave their corporate America jobs. No, that's absolutely not it. But I think there's a middle ground here on a, you know, a side project within your company that you could find that be fulfilling, a pivot perhaps to a new line of business or something small or maybe something bigger. Um, maybe it's a certification, maybe it's a, a school program, or maybe it's a passion project of your own, a side gig on the side, right. whatever it is or, for you. Or a book or thought leadership. Right. Or, 
you know, maybe really focusing on your personal brand and getting known for what you do no matter what happens. So you do have that career insurance yep. no matter what's happening with the economy. And I think people are are realizing we don't know how long we have. And it does matter what I do now, not someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. There may not be a someday. Or and chances are you knew someone that was sick or you may have known somebody that, you know, was that you might have lost from this. And it really puts perspective right. on how short life is. And everyone says that, right? But it's one of those mantras that's easy to dismiss and think, yeah, tomorrow. So accelerate that, right? Use this as an opportunity yes. to move that forward more quickly. And even if it's like, I've known so many people, it's simply just spending more time with my children has been a gift mm-hmm. from this. Spending more quality time with my family. I suspect on the other side of this, people are going to demand that in workplaces. Right. And why do we have this eight to five, must be in seat from these times, can't see your right. kids get off the school bus ever, <laughs> you know, mentality. Yeah, I think families and either in or. many ways are, are many, I mean, obviously it's hard for everybody to be cooped up. But families are also seeing, like, a lot of young kids are loving it because their parents are home and they're having so much fun. And so it's it's a huge gift to a lot of us in, in many ways, too. So I want to go ahead and take another break. I want to come back to that and start there when we get back. Again, my name is Carla Taylor. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show on the Inspired Choices Network. We're talking with Julie Kratz about Next Pivot Point, and we'll be right back. We all have a personal brand. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way? Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Do you struggle to answer what do you do because you do many different things? Do you want your future clients to know, like, and trust you? Do you want to make LinkedIn work for you? If you're ready for extreme clarity and confidence with opportunities flooding your LinkedIn inbox, Carla Taylor's Bring Your Brilliance Coaching Masterminds and Workshops give you the exact steps to get it done. Don't have time to do it yourself? Carla's LinkedIn Content Ghostwriting Service is exactly what you need. Schedule your free consultation today at bringyourbrilliance.as.me or go to bringyourbrilliance.net. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815-880-8255 or Canada at 613-800-8736 or Skype at Inspired Choices Network. Or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Bring Your Brilliance here on Inspired Choices Network. I am your host, Carla Taylor, and today we are talking about pivot points. We're talking with Julie Kratz, and before we jump back into our conversation, 
I want to take a moment just to tell you a little bit more about what's coming up for Bring Your Brilliance. We are doing some really great things to help people bring their brilliance out to the world and especially focused on LinkedIn. And given the time that we're in and given what's happening, I'm actually offering something that I have never offered before and I will never offer again. I will have some of these elements in future programs, but if you want to do something really accelerated, like Julie was saying earlier, during this time that we have at the moment, I'm actually offering a four-week intensive Brilliance Boot Camp called Instant Impact on LinkedIn. It will be four weeks working together with a small group and really amping up your, your personal brand, your LinkedIn strategy, your LinkedIn content. We'll be working through it together. You'll be getting it done as we go through it. And so at the end of the four weeks, you're going to be in a much different place. You're going to be in, uh, attracting a higher caliber of clients. You're going to be able to do the things that you want to do to really position yourself to do the things you want to do. And so even if you're a corporate person who's working, like we just said, in a corporate career, but you want to do some sort of side hustle or you just want to have yourself be known as a thought leader in your industry, this would also work for you. So again, my name is Carla Taylor. You can reach me or find out more about this at uh, bringyourbrilliance.net forward slash LinkedIn impact is the specific program. Bringyourbrilliance.net is my website, and you can also schedule anytime a 15-minute consultation with me for free at bringyourbrilliance.as.me. Um, and I'm always excited and happy to talk to you about your brilliance and how and when and where you can bring it. So speaking of brilliance, Julie, would you please share with us how people can find you and what's coming up next for you? Yeah, well, all of my information is on my website, nextpivotpoint.com. And like you, I post regularly on LinkedIn. So every day I've got an article, a video, something uh, thought-provoking to share. Um, today's post is actually about our topic, career pivot. So some ideas on how to kind of pivot and think about um, yourself and your future. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn at Julie Pratt. K-R-A-T-Z. Uh, and then I'd, I'd just say um, with my website, lots of free resources there. So whether, you know, you want to do it yourself and find a, a workbook to kind of map out what's next for you or your organization um, or watch a video series to understand how to facilitate a hard conversation around something like diversity and inclusion, um, all the self-guides are there, and um, I respond to every message personally. So you can message me at julie at nextpivotpoint.com, and I'm happy to respond to your, to your personal questions as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love how much you do help people and how available you make yourself to giving that help and how passionate about about you know, inclusion and, and women, especially as leaders in the workplace, you know, I've seen you, like I said, over the years doing a lot of different things. And I'm always so impressed with the projects that you're a part of, or like you just mentioned, you're doing a big research project right now on the future of work. And you're always showing up providing such great value. And that's something I've really, really appreciated about you over the years. Oh, well, thank you. It's, it's great to have a partner in the space that feels the same way as I do. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking before the break about how much more amplified it is right now, more than ever before in history, I think, of how much we need to be focused on our purpose-driven 
lives and, and why it matters and being faced with both an economic downturn and a pandemic that is taking lives and realizing we do have such a short time and we don't know when our time is up. And that sense of urgency, like for many of us in our lifetimes anyway, never before have been felt. And those are influences that we haven't seen converging at the same time ever before. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that. And as we were saying, there's so many also opportunities for resourcefulness and for innovation. And you're starting to get even some of your, your results back from your survey. So I'd love to know, you mentioned a couple things, and we talked about that really cool project board that some companies are doing. What else are you seeing right now? Yeah, yeah. So the two biggest and probably most obvious ones that are on everyone's minds are virtual work, <laughs> right, and flexibility. Um, so time mm-hmm. with our families. So the first one, for virtual work, again, there has been so much angst in corporate America about this. I remember back in my corporate career, even just having a work from home policy was something that was taboo and not to be discussed. Mm-hmm. But people would do it occasionally. And it was kind of like, well, Eric took the day to work at home. Can I? And then as a leader, I'd be like, am I allowed to say yes? Or otherwise? You know? Right. And I it's think a most big deal. run this way. Right. And it's like, well, what does it say about trust? Right. I don't trust you to do your work if you're not here. Why? Um, and so exactly. I know, I remember back at corporate, kind of the, the you know, curmudgeon type of managers would say things like, well, have them send you a report at the end of the day of everything they did. And I would say, well, I don't have mm-hmm. them do that when they're here. Why would I do that if they're not here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't really get a response to that. So <laughs> I think, again, things have changed, but not that much, right? So this mentality of I have to see you to know that you're working, just like if you're in a manufacturing plant, uh, mm-hmm. most, a lot of work, a lot of professional work and office work. And so it's important to know there are absolutely jobs that cannot be done virtually. And we're seeing people on the front lines right. and essential workers right now that that is not possible, nor will it likely not be um, a possible widespread, at least in the future. However, um, and I thank those people, um, anybody that's having to be on the front lines, putting themselves at risk right now and and essential retail jobs or healthcare jobs, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. With that said, though, we're saying about a third of the workforce can work from home and can work from home successfully and get their job done. That's a pretty big percentage, right? And And I would challenge that percentage could probably be bigger in the future if we got innovative and creative and really leveraged the technology that, again, has been around for decades. So many things have changed quickly. Um, the good folks at Zoom, I'm sure, just <laughs> one of the businesses is doing well, right? <laughs> People are well-positioned. Yeah, there are some businesses who um, are really thriving and have much increased demand right now. Right, and, and they are definitely one of them, although I wonder if they'll be associated with the pandemic <laughs> because so many people have used that service. Uh, but kudos to them mm-hmm. for making that platform super easy to use. I've used it for years yes. and always believed in virtual learning, and now everyone's coming around like, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I'm later <laughs> on, on board. So, but, you know, and I think there's limitations, right? The videoing, I think it overwhelms some people. 
Um, not everybody likes to communicate in that format. So while it doesn't work for everybody, what the research shows, and this has been around, I actually read a book earlier this year before all this that argued for the four-day week work week, and this isn't the Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. book. This is um, a guy in New Zealand, um, forget his name, but he talks about striking a balance in, in people and how much they work in the office versus at home or how much time they take off. Now, as Americans, we're notorious not taking all of our vacation time, and we don't even get that much to begin with. Mm-hmm. What if, what if the future of work, we were in the office for three days and we had two days to kind of create our own kind of workspace and do mm-hmm. kind of that heads down work or activities that really doesn't bode well for a busy work environment and office environment where everyone's chattering. So there's still a need for right. collaboration and having these collaborative spaces, I'm not saying forgo that. But what does that balance look like? And the research generally shows, um, I know Working Mother Media did a study on this, you know, a three to two ratio tends to work well. It strikes a nice balance between the collaboration you need in the work environment and the things you can do at home. That's one, I I don't know what that ratio is, you know, by industry or functional area. I think that's a very personal decision and a conversation you should have as a team. But that's a conversation you should be ready to have after this, right? And if you don't know yeah. what the virtual work or work from home policies are going to be as a manager, you better find out <laughs> on the and return be to work. On them kind of now. Yeah, do it now. And, and I don't love the idea of some HR corporate policy message that reads 20 pages. I don't think that's what people are looking for. I think what people want to know is what's going to be the new norm, right? That word's getting thrown out a lot. What does that mm-hmm. look like for us? What are the workplace norms? And how do am I expected to behave? Because if I ask to work from home on Friday, am I gonna is that gonna be okay? Like I got my work done before. Why can't I do it that way in the future? So it's a very valid uh, a conversation that every manager should be ready to have. So that's one virtual work. And this ties really closely to it. The second one is flexibility. Um and this mm-hmm. really behooves women. Um, in most, you know, gendered societies, women are take on the brunt of the caregiving. So if you do have small people or older people um, in your family, women are oftentimes the primary caregiver about 70% of the time. So obviously the impact of this acutely is hard on women. We're seeing a recent study showed 15 to 20% of women said if this continues long term, more than a few more weeks, that they will exit the workforce. That's a huge Mm. number, a huge number. Um, And so many women, and I'm talking about smart, professional, driven women are telling me they cannot do both right now. I can't do all this. I am seeing that all around me for sure. And do my job. And it is taking such a toll. Amazing women. And I'm wondering, what's your husband doing? Uh, If you have a husband, if you have a partner, I, I just don't understand why all of this is, again, 2020, we've come so far, but to think that men aren't partnering at home, I saw a really incredible term today in my news feed called bread sharing. <laughs> men, instead of bread winning, we should be mm. bread sharing <laughs> and sharing the task well, at and home, I think, which is something I advocated for. Yes. Well, I, I think what I'm seeing personally, just my own personal anecdotes, I guess, is that the the women that I'm seeing that are really struggling do have husbands who are hands-on, who are helping a lot, but the children, most children 
tend to still gravitate towards the mom for a lot of the caretaking needs or the, the, the nurturing, which kids are kind of freaked out like all of us are. And so the emotional mm-hmm. needs of everyone are so amped up. And not that men can't be there emotionally. They absolutely can be, but kids tend to gravitate more towards their mothers during times of stress and during times of emotional unsteadiness and just needing that that, that comfort that most women provide in a, a different way. You know, like I said, a lot of men do provide it. So I don't even think it's that the husbands aren't doing anything. I just think there's a lot more coming towards the woman especially. And it is so much all at once, all in the same place, whereas you know, especially like you said, these driven, accomplished women who have very carefully constructed their lives to have some balance or to have that work-life integration is what I like to call it. But now it's all together. <laughs> like there is no separation. There yeah. is no time. And there are no boundaries that people are used to having in this kind of intense togetherness <laughs> that has no yeah. whatsoever. No, it's fully integrated, but not in the way we're talking about it. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I don't mean men aren't sitting on the sidelines not doing anything. But, um, and men are definitely socialized to not be as emotionally available. So there's a lot of unpacking we can do on that, too. Right. But where we're at current state is a real opportunity, again, for a positive reset. I think my mm-hmm. my suspicion and what I've heard from men that have been home with their children have been involved, whether it's their schoolwork or daily activities, or just gotten to see him a heck of a lot more probably than the two hours a day during the week you got to see him before. Like, I really like this. I love spending time with my kids. I don't want to go back to my job that requires me to commute an hour or whatever twice a day and be there for eight to 10 hours and only see my kids for dinner and bedtime. Like, that's not enough for me. Right. So I'm hoping on the other side of this involved dual parenting, modeling inclusive Mm -hmm. parenting from men is going to be so important. And we know from the research, the motherhood penalty is the number one thing that holds women back in their careers. So if we can free Mm -hmm. this up and free up men to be involved as parents, that frees up women's capacity to focus on their careers and also children benefit. We need, they need both of their parents available, emotionally available, physically this is everyone in society to do a nice reset and challenge of those gender norms. Well, and I think it's really interesting too that, you know, when I've talked to some of the little kids that I've, you know, encountered when I, you know, stay six feet apart and I see them somewhere and I, I talk to them about using it. Like they're like, this is so awesome. I get to be home all the time and my whole family's home and we're playing. And like they, I think there's actually a lot of little kids who are going to see this as the best time of their lives in many ways because they did get to have so much family togetherness. And I think for men, especially who haven't been as much at home or maybe didn't appreciate everything that their wives were going through, even and especially for stay at home, the moms, they're like, oh, <laughs> like this is way harder than I thought. And, and you know, <laughs> mess up every five minutes. And, <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that's going to change significantly for some people, too. Well, one theme I talk about in the workplace a lot for diversity is it's really hard to understand something you haven't experienced. So you're right. right. Having experienced experienced it, you're like, oh, now I get it, right? I know how hard it is. It's not just getting the kids off the bus. 
there's the snacks, right? the homework, the, the bickering, the chores. You know, it's like 12 other things. And the constant so, cleaning. I, I know my sister was talking about when her husband comes home from work that, you know, she will have clean and clean and clean and clean all day. And then he comes home, and, of course, it happens to be messy in that moment. And he's like, what's going on? Why haven't you been cleaning? And she's like, I have, <laughs> you know. And so even mm-hmm. that, I think, is probably a huge aha uh-huh for a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah, yes, I think perspective-taking. Yes. Like you just said, experiencing it, having not like a lot of it is the fear of the unknown or the, the distrust of the unknown. You talked earlier about the whole letting people go work from home and and needing to see that they've done things and tracking the results or some people have been tracking their minute by minute time. Like some people get really extreme in that. And I think that like you said, well, if we don't do it while they're here, why would we do that when they're not here? If we're just looking at what they're getting done and we're trusting the people that we hired to do the job they hired, like that is what higher level level leaders really get and understand is that trust is everything and now being forced mm-hmm. to trust your workforce and seeing that the work is still getting done, I think is really changing that in the work arena as well. Yeah. Yeah. Trust is going to be a huge factor going forward. Empathy skills, um, like I mentioned earlier, emotional intelligence skills, being vulnerable, being mm-hmm. a real human at work. People, And that's another great thing that's come out of this is on a Zoom call, I don't know how many people have shared, like, I've really gotten to know my coworkers. <laughs> I know their animals. <laughs> I know their children. Right? No, I had someone tell me they didn't even know their coworker was married until this. And I'm thinking, wow, like, we've really become so robotic yeah. in the workplace. So this is a humanizing time that I want to know you as a full human. We don't have to know everything about each other. It's been oversharing nowadays, too. Right. But I think that's another non-negotiable. Bring your full human self to work and get to know people as people. And the other thing is the conversations I'm having are much more like, hey, how you doing? I mean, the first five minutes, like, let's yeah. just look like yeah. when we reconnected over this. How's your dad? You know, how's your family? Let's talk about who yeah. we are and then talk business. And why weren't we yes, doing that before? Connecting first as human beings, again, has always been important, but people are actually doing it now because you can't ignore what's going on. Mm-hmm. And people have that on their mind. There's no way I can start a conversation like nothing's going on. You know, how are you doing? Right. How are you personally impacted? How's your family? How's your health? Like, and I genuinely care. And then if someone opens up the door to like, mm-hmm. like I had a couple conversations this morning. Oh, I want to know mm-hmm. more about you and what you do because when we get through this, like we definitely want to talk about allies in the workplace. Like, great, you gave me the signal. I'll go ahead, but I'm going to wait for that signal. Right. And, and that's something I'm going to carry forward into the future. Of I'm, I'm not going to go right into business. Like I'm going to get to know you, understand you, yep. uh, before I get permission for that conversation. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I think there's there's so many things, and and even for those of us who worked from home before, this is not the same as it was. Like this is a whole different ball game. And before I'd have you know a handful of Zoom meetings, but now it's all day, every day, almost too much. 
I know <laughs> I've had a few friends also say that they're unnerved by having to see themselves on camera all day long. Like that's not really fun <laughs> either for no, many of us. A, I, I think we're going to have a lot of things coming out of this too. Right. And and that's the thing. I always say video is optional. If I do a Zoom call, it's optional. You mm-hmm. decide if you want to do video or not. Right. And sometimes video is needed um, for you know certain types of conversations. So maybe it's not optional sometimes. Um, but I think the degree to which you can give people freedom to how they want to show up and being on camera and seeing mm-hmm. yourself creates a lot of anxiety. Um, I know I don't personally love it, so I'm so excited we're on the phone right now. (laughs) It's a nice break from that, too. So, again, these these future norms, whatever they look like in the future, they're not going to be what cookie cutter of what's happening today, right? But we're, I think, threading these lessons through virtual work, technology, flexibility, threading them through the future of, hey, what did we like about that that we can carry forward and make sure Mm – just urge our listeners, don't revert back to the old way. I mean, February, mm-hmm. I don't know how it was, life was like for you in February. There were a lot of good things going on, but I don't see the world ever returning to that. And and that's okay. The future will be different, right? So what do we yes. want in the future? Let's use this time to intentionally create a future that we want and we can thrive in. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a perfect thing to end on. Let's use this time to intentionally create the future that we want. I so appreciate this conversation. I so appreciate you, Julie. You have been so full of of wisdom and so full of information, and we've only just barely touched the the amount of knowledge that you have about allies in, in the workplace and about women in the workplace and helping to really include a lot more you know, diversity and inclusion is, yes, gender and race and everything else, but it's also how we work and where we work and all of the things that are important that I think, as you said, it it really does boil down to trust and to um, seeing how people are showing up and embracing who they are and where they are. And so I really appreciate you. Do you have any last thought before we end? Oh, well, this has been a gift to spend time with you and, I think the more that we can channel positive energy, you know, I'm one that's filled with all sorts of life hacks for challenges and positive thinking. But now more than ever, those tools, really, really applying those tools are so important. Yes, applying them, learning them, and applying them are so important. So, again, I'm Carla Taylor with Bring Your Brilliance here on Inspired Choices Network, and I am encouraging you to be bold, be brave, be brilliant, and be you, fully you, in everything that you do, fully showing up and embracing what is. And looking Thanks for listening to another episode of Bring Your Brilliance with Carla Taylor. For the latest updates and info on personal branding, please follow and interact with Carla Taylor on LinkedIn. And be sure to visit www.itstimetobringit.com. Join Carla Taylor every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.